Welcome to EdPod, Connecting Educational Research and Classroom Teaching, with Drs. Eric Claraval and Darren Battaglia. Episode 4, Disciplinary Literacy in Math. Eric, welcome back. Welcome back. Yes, uh, here we are on our fourth podcast. And um, what are we talking about here today? Going to talk about disciplinary literacy in math. Uh, there's an article that you chose. It's called The Language of Mathematics, The Importance of Teaching and Learning Mathematical Vocabulary. It was published in 2015 in the Reading and Writing Quarterly. Rico Mini, I think, is the lead author, Paul Ricomini. Why'd you choose this one? Well, you know, um, I've been thinking about the importance of vocabulary uh, lately. And, and when I think about math, think about there's this whole new world of, of understanding some of the terms in, in mathematics. It's almost like learning a second language when we talk about mathematics vocabulary. So I thought, you know, might as well pick this article and talk about vocabulary that is specific to the teaching and learning of mathematical skills. Because I know as a math teacher, I don't often think or remember to teach vocabulary to my students. That's exactly my point. Because it's so I, easy just to forget it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but but it is vital for for students to understand and to to use some of these words when they try to articulate their understanding of a mathematical problem, especially now that that the Common Core has been implemented for quite a while. And the expectation is that students are able to write, explain the process, or, or orally articulate their thought when they try to problem solve you know, uh, math uh, problems. I, I, and the the specific textbook that we use uh, in my class is very text heavy. So it's not like when I was in school and the teacher would give us a, a textbook and we'd have to do 35 problems at home that night or in class. And they were all you know, just with numbers and with symbols. In this case, the text um, itself has um, a lot of words and students are often very put off by the words if they right. don't understand what it's asking. And so, you know, as this article points out, you know, to, to be able to really uh, ask questions and to break down what's being asked and, and, and demanded of them, if they understand the, the vocabulary, they're not able to e even get to the, the, the algorithms that you and I had when we were, you and I had to solve when we were in school. Right. And in fact, they cited one study done in 1998 by Monroe, and he said that mathematical vocabulary affords access to concepts, mathematical instruction in the areas of language, and that for these authors, it is imperative um, that we should teach vocabulary in math. So they cite one article themselves, Ruben Sinan and Thompson, right. uh, that there are 11 different categories of difficulties mm -hmm. with learning the language of mathematics, and I'm not going to mention all of them, but 
Some of them are meanings that are context dependent, for example, and they give an example for, uh, as the word foot and foot, foot uh, as in the measure of distance and foot as in the foot of a bed. So that plays a, a role when we talk about math. Right. Uh, some and, words. Mm -hmm. And they, they talk about precision in meaning as well. You know, for example, the word expression. When we think about the word expression, it's about, you know, articulating your thoughts and your feelings. That's the meaning of expression. But, but in mathematics, there is this precise meaning of expression, which is the mathematical expression. It's like the sentence of A plus B equals four. That is the mathematical expression. And students need to understand that the use of the word expression is, is different. And that's when, you know, that's what, what I'm saying a while ago, that it's almost like learning a second language. Right, because we have to situate the the meaning of these words within the precise understanding of of mathematical knowledge. And there's a very yeah, I, th I think they mentioned a discipline specific technical meaning that that expression is. And there's there's so many words when we begin to teach vocabulary. I, I think in schools we get into. Um, you know, schools have a focus on academic vocabulary or tier one, tier two, tier three vocabulary that is, um, you know, the lingua franca of that specific school that, that, that they want to teach. And I think there's, you know, those overlaps here, I think people can, you know, understand really easily is that there's that those words like expression that do cut across all different um, subjects, and there are then those very math-specific words, those tier three vocabulary that a lot of people would use, um, that are only, that are words you only use in math, mm -hmm. you know, like the Pythagorean theorem, or, you know, like um, a, a parallelogram. Or rhombus, it's, you yes. know, we only use that in math, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. and if students, when students encounter those, they are gonna be problematic. Right, right. And, you know, that also made me th think about the role of morphology in, in, in the development of vocabulary and mathematics. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to talk about this in details, but I, I think, you know, morphological knowledge, too, plays an important role, you know, in teaching math vocabulary. Well, a lot of it comes from Greek, I guess. And Latin. And That's Latin. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you know, bicycle, triangle, uh, centennial. So when, when you were reading this article, what were you thinking? I mean, I, I know you're a math teacher, and that's the reason why I asked this question, because I, you mentioned earlier, it's, you know, there's really nothing new about, about the teaching of vocabulary, but what is novel about the whole, you know, idea of vocabulary in math is that math teachers don't teach vocabulary. So what I was thinking is, uh, you know, telling myself I don't teach vocabulary systematically enough and sort of, you know, beating myself for that. That's really what this is reminding me about. It just seems like there's so much pressure, you know, as in all subjects, you've got to get through the book, you know, teach that, teach that chapter, you know, and I don't know if that's realistic, realistically what, what happens, but that's sometimes the pressure that I, I feel is to, you know, to get through so much material that, mm -hmm. um, I don't always do uh, a good job in in teaching those other 
uh, other skills and other and the vocabulary and some of the other things that you know are on the page in front of me, but need to be taught in this sort of different way or, or a little more systematically. Yeah. I think there is a danger of assuming that the kids or the students will be able to pick it up along the way. Right. right. And that's, right. that's exactly what this article says is that, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we make the assumption that they're, they are, they're just going to, you know, we're just going to expose them with new words and they are going to, you uh -huh. know, to, to learn it. Um, you know, through osmosis, but we they do require systematic and explicit instruction. Although, although they mentioned that part of the instructional strategies is the multiple exposures of words, but but that's not the only way to teach vocabulary. And yes, they're advocating for explicitness of of vocabulary instruction in the beginning, and then as the students learn the concepts and, and the meaning of the words, then you can include, expose them in different contexts and in and, 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 uh, intentional way that this vocabulary is used in this, you know, problem set. And I just want you to aware of it, to be aware of it, right? Yeah. So after that very, um, you know, explicit, intentional way of teaching the word, telling them what the word means, uh, showing them. Um, then students are able to do some other types of activities, you know, like keeping a keeping a dictionary, creating uh, some other list of terms or illustrations, keeping a word wall in class. That's something I always, as a teacher, I always have the best intention at the beginning of the uh -huh. year. I'm going to keep a word wall this year uh -huh. of all the terms, uh -huh. and it seems like by first semester, my my word wall has sort of fallen into disrepair, and I've forgotten. To right. you know, c continue adding to the word wall. So uh, this is a re good reminder for me that I need to um, you know keep up that work throughout the year as a as a as a, another strategy to keep uh, students reminded of all, all the words that we've been learning, all the vocabulary we've been learning. Yeah, I think that's a good scaffold for many students, mm -hmm. particularly for English language learners and students with special needs. And if you do have that wall and you can just tell them, you know, look at that, look at our vocabulary wall, and and that will help you um, understand. Or you can revisit that concept uh, when you're having a hard time um, understanding a specific problem set. Another strategy that the authors mention is mnemonic strategies, uh -huh. and they uh, they give a few examples which I hadn't heard of as a as a math teacher, one was to remember what parallel line was, uh -huh. what parallel lines are, rather. And they have a, a little picture of parallel lines, and they have elves on the lines, uh -huh. and the mnemonic is a pair of elves. So there are a pair of elves who will never uh, walk together because they're on a pa some parallel lines. Uh -huh. and I, I thought that was really clever. But anyways, uh, using those mnemonics, students, you know, will, uh, I guess, and there's some evidence ar uh, around this, that those visual images really help students recall, um, r recall these vocabulary words. Yeah, and when I think know. of mnemonics, and maybe I'm wrong, do you know this? When I think of mnemonics, I think of things like... Um, I, I don't know what these are called then, like like PEMDAS, you know, like remembering, right, right. Yeah. you know, order of operations. That's a mnemonic. Is that a mnemonic? Do you know? 
I, I think this is what, you know, they're trying to redefine mnemonics in mathematical sense because it's more, it's like visualization of the concept. And, and mnemonic is basically a, a visual tool when we think about PEMDAS. So it's yes. like there is a... Yeah, PEMDAS isn't visual, it's right? It's a you visual. No context for it. Right. And, and so I thought it was a clever use of, of um, the idea of visualization in terms of further understanding of the meaning of that term. And and I th- I think this is also really good when when we think about geometry because as in geometry there's a lot of terms that you need to remember and at the same time it blends well in you know within that nature of of that subject area because geometry is about visuals so I thought that's it's a clever way of using mnemonics as as an instructional tool. Uh, for us to teach vocabulary in math. I, 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 I do use some mnemonics in my class now that I think about it. I've got um, some, uh, I'm using some mnemonics with slope, some visuals with slope, uh-huh. uh, and pictures around the room, Mr. Slope guy. So things that I've found on the internet, borrowed from other teachers and so uh-huh. forth. So, I, I, and students, I do find that students do remember those and, and really enjoy it as well. It's one of the things that keep coming up in, in pictures and I can say easily, hey, do you remember right. when we drew Mr. Slope Guy and the positive slope was this way? It's a really easy way also for me to spur their memory rather than saying, what does a positive slope look like? I think the challenge for teachers is that you really have to create your own mnemonics here because this is an area that is less explored by scholars and how, you know, how they can um, support students' understanding of mathematical vocabulary. And I remember when I was teaching um, elementary grades and and we I provided them some mnemonics about, you know, in terms of multiplication table. And one of those mnemonics is, you know, the five, six, seven, eight, five, six equal, equals seven times eight so five six seven eight so that's it's kind of like a mnemonic and and there's this one seven times seven is the team the san francisco team you know 49ers uh-huh. right so yeah so that that helps them further memorize the specific uh facts in multiplication table and what about fluency building through multiple exposures have have you been doing this in your class I don't think I've done this. I definitely haven't done this intentionally, and I don't know that I um, necessarily understood this as a math activity. You know, I'm familiar with the National Reading Panel. You know, when uh-huh. I first got into teaching back right. in the early 2000s, this was definitely, um, I don't know, if you can say all the rage in literacy and right. in, in, in teaching reading. Um you know, the five basic building blocks of reading and all that, that was what we did for teaching reading. But in, in terms of math, I don't know how this has been borrowed to for, for math, for teaching math. You know, I like this whole idea of creating cards as part of the rehearsal process of remembering mathematical vocabularies. And I think this will address some of the needs of students with special needs and students with learning disabilities and English language learners that, you know, if they have that cue cards to support their 
uh, mathematical learning. I think that's that's a that's a neat uh, way to improve their vocabulary. So you mean the the discussion they have about creating flashcards and practicing with uh-huh. flashcards will help Using somebody index cards. move faster, right? So fluency being the speed at which you can recall facts and recall mm-hmm. the recall words as well. Right. And, you know, they mentioned about technology and now we can use, there's a lot of apps available right now, a Quizlet, for example. And the Quizlet, it affords you to create uh, virtual cards or yeah. flashcards, right? And another way of incorporating technology in terms uh, to develop fluency is, uh, is the use of um of podcasts. Well, there you yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, every week, you know, a teacher could create a vocabulary podcast and, and then students will listen to it. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an efficient way of, of teaching vocabulary. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to create time in your class um, to focus on vocabulary because I know there's so many things to teach, you know, in, in math. And, and one of the uh, challenges in, in teaching math is that, you know, do we have time to teach vocabulary? So when you create a teacher-made podcast, you just have to send that to your class every week and they just have to listen to it every day. You know, just spend time listening to your podcast for three to five minutes. Students internalize the meaning and, and w- once they encounter the words in their problem set, they're just going to be able to recall those words that they've heard from your pod, from the teacher's podcast. That we can just watch those download statistics of our vocabulary podcast for period three math <laughs> and uh, make sure they're all downloading it and, and listening to it appropriately and not fast forwarding through any part. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'd hate to spend uh, an hour on a vocabulary podcast only to see that I only had three students uh, downloaded just like uh, the, some of the homework completion rates I get uh, occasionally. Uh-huh. No, I, I think I would I would requ- require my students to listen to podcasts. And when you create a podcast for students, you, you can't create a one hour podcast. Just oh no, of course you know, not. just maybe a maximum of five minutes would be would be enough. And 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 it's required. And maybe you know, on Friday they're gonna have a quiz. And it's also kind of like game like I, I like this jeopardy or yeah so they listen to podcasts and on friday they're gonna have jeopardy oh what a game, great idea right and 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 all the words that are going to be included in the jeopardy is part of the podcast for that week yes and there were some other game ideas too as i recall that's right yeah they have that um i've never uses mastery word wordo or words a oh, word sorts yeah i've done yeah, that word before. sorts are fun yeah, and you can, I, I thought that was re- really good because I often need some just like quick activities today. Uh, one of my classes went through the activity like 15 minutes faster uh-huh. than the other classes did. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I didn't have anything really handy. And if I had something quick to go over the vocabulary, right. that would have been great because we're at the end of the unit right now. And just uh-huh. some sort of quick vocabulary thing like that would have been really nice. And the use of bingo is, is another uh, game-like activity that you can incorporate when you're teaching vocabulary math. So let's talk about the research behind this teaching of mathematical vocabulary. What do you think? I mean, a lot of a lot of these instructional practices are based from this whole idea of literacy. 
Yeah, it seems yeah. like the research base is pretty thin as the, mm-hmm. as applied strictly to math. Uh, some of these, I mean, the one article that we already mentioned with Rubenstein and Thompson about the types of uh, categories of words and difficulties that students have was specifically a math article. Other than that, a lot of the things that are quoted in here have are more relevant to teaching reading and literacy in general. They mentioned, as I just said, the literacy um, national uh, reading panel work that was done uh, early in this century. They mentioned Marzano uh-huh. and the framework that he did earlier yeah. on. So it's all related to, to teaching reading and teaching literacy. I, I think this is the whole idea of, you know, disciplinary literacy in math. It's it's the overarching idea of, of disciplinary literacy is to teach language in mathematics. And and one component of language is vocabulary. And, and this is where a lot of math teachers are not aware that some students are struggling in word problem, not because they don't have the, uh, a well-developed mathematical concepts, but because they're struggling with the words that are used within the context of mathematical concepts or mathematical principles. So it's completely appropriate then to borrow from literacy and borrow from Absolutely. reading, reading uh, the reading body of knowledge, because mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's, I mean, that's the great starting point. Right. Um, but what we need to do is to, to do more intervention research as to how, you know, how this teaching of vocabulary and mathematics um, uh, realistic or or efficient or in what ways that we can, um, we can, you know, what are some of the aspects of vocabulary that we can focus on to deliver mathematical instructions efficiently. And with that, Eric, thank you. All right. So next week, we're going to talk about data mining and the implication of, of that to K-12 leadership. I'm really excited. I, yeah. something I've been interested in a very long time, so I can't wait to talk to you about it. All right. You can find links to articles we discussed on this episode and more in our show notes at edpod.tv. You'll also find other information about us and upcoming topics, as well as how to contact the show. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at RealEdPod. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 